following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good to see you. Boy, it's good to see younger people. I went to my class reunion this last weekend. Thanks for letting me slip out of town and took my precious wife with me. She looked like a teenager. She really did. Uh, I saw some old people. And I told them, this is what I told them, you know, they had written about me that I had died because I hadn't checked in 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 all these years I've been gone. When I left West Texas, I left. I really did, I left. And uh, couldn't wait to get home after being out there just this weekend. But I told them that my maiden name... When I was in Leveland was Rex. My new name is Lazarus. I've been raised from the dead. And they all loved it. And you folks understand it because they had me in the deceased column. But I'm so happy to be alive. And, and what, what a joy it was. It really was. I, I, met, I, I saw some of my dearest friends in high school that are still alive. We've had probably 40, 45, maybe 50 deaths. I didn't count all the pictures that they flashed on the screen, but it's good to be in the land of the living. Some of our, some of our young men were taken in Vietnam, and some of our class died early with all kinds of maladies of diseases, and, and what a joy just to be alive. I, I told them that either my eyes needed fixing or they needed facelifts. Uh, they, threw, they threw food at me right then, no. But what a joy. I went out there not expecting anything, and, and they asked me to speak and asked me to pray. And so I spoke and I prayed, and it was, it was just fun. In fact, the girl that put it all together made this statement. She said, little old Rexy grew up and became a preacher. <laughs> I love that because that's what happened. And, uh, and she said, and we, we admire that, and we wanted to come and talk, and so I talked and shared with them and then got to pray over them and and got to hug a lot of people I discovered that there's a man that lives right over here on first and slaughter that was in my class his name is Bill I discovered another one in Dripping Springs that was a dear friend of mine that uh, wrote me already said we got to get together as early as next week I said we'll make that happen he lives right out here in Dripping Springs and there is a there's a pastor, there's a nominational pastor up in Georgetown that I got to connect with. He didn't get to come to the reunion, but I'm going to make sure I check with him. We're going to have, we're going to have the four horsemen of the apocalypse from Leveland. <laughs> we're going to sit down and we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. Let me share with you a brief conversation I took place in an airport boarding area. Two people in quite similar suits with equally similar briefcases sit down side by side struck up a conversation one of them said I see you're reading the Bible the other said yes I am said may I ask is it a King James or RSV he said it's King James of course he said so is mine is yours red letter edition he said yes Thomas and Chain reference of course so then you're a Christian (laughs) yes I am born again definitely spirit filled without a doubt baptized yes immersed or sprinkled fully immersed Pentecostal? Yes, I am. Holy Roller? Yes. Premillennial or postmillennial? Premillennial. 
And in your worship, do you use old-style hymns or contemporary music? Contemporary. Organ or praise band? Praise band. Video screens, of course. What about the preacher? Well, I am the preacher, he says. <laughs> so am I. Wonderful. Seminary trained? Yes. And do you preach with notes or without notes? He said without. Wooden pulpit or plexiglass? He said plexiglass. He said plexiglass pulpit? Die, you heretic. It's amazing what one little thing can divide us in our hearts and our minds. Jesus' prayer is still that they may be one. What a joy to preach to people tonight that are one in spirit and one in heart. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to, we're going to honor some people. The Cannons are here tonight. They had a brand new baby last week, little Olivia. Grandma, you got the baby? Okay. Richard, you got the baby? Can you hold it up? That's Olivia. She weighs six pounds and a couple of ounces. And uh, mom and daddy are here tonight. That baby was born last week, tomorrow, right? Today? Really? Oh, I think I'm right. Hey, I know my people better than you know yourself. Tomorrow, it'll be a week old. Because you called me, and I was going out of town. You called me and told me that. And I'm just happy that she's here tonight. I want to honor her. Give baby Cannon, baby Olivia, a great hand. That's an honor. That's an honor. So we're going to complete the domino effect tonight. We're going to finish this series on the domino effect. And it's good to see many of you that I hadn't seen for a while. And, uh, and uh, we'll be here. We'll be here Sunday. We'll be ministering in service Sunday, teaching the fourth lesson of joy. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to call tonight non-perishable praise. Non-perishable praise. I don't think it's written down because I didn't underline it. But non-perishable praise. Everybody say non-perishable. non-perishable. No, shelf life. no shelf life. It works now. It worked then. It It'll work tomorrow. It's non-perishable. never goes away. Never goes away. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor, and I'm not going to be lengthy, and you may be seated tonight. This, this teaching is really in three parts, and hopefully I can wrap up the domino effect tonight and cause us to understand how beautiful, important, and needed praise is in our life. The first week we talked about that praise is the only thing that doesn't require anything except breath. You don't have to be qualified to praise. You just have to have breath. He that hath breath, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And it's an awesome thing. And so you have to be qualified to be deacons. You have to be qualified to be in certain places in the church. But you don't have to be qualified to be a praiser. That's what we talked about the first week. Then the next week, Reed brought out the seven beautiful Hebrew words of praise. And we, we learned about that. Then last week, I talked about the power of praise. We talked about when John wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ. The first thing he saw was Jesus Christ. The second thing he saw was the church. And the third thing he saw was a praise session going on in heaven. It's amazing that before Jesus showed him everything that was to come, he showed him himself, he showed him the church, and he showed him a praise service going on. Because he was saying, if praise is first... Problems will be all right second. 
You can't put problems before praise. You can't put anything before it. Praise has to be first. And so tonight we're going to talk about we're going to talk about this beautiful thing called non-perishable praise. First Samuel chapter 21 says, David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. And the priest replied, The sword of Goliath, a Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. And it's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. And if you want it, take it. There's no sword here, but that one, David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So David slays a giant in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and now he's running for his life because the, the maids of the city are saying Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands. And even though David was married to Michael who was one of Saul's daughters, he still was in trouble because Saul wanted to take his life and Saul chased him for a number of years. And he's running for his life and he comes to a tabernacle in Nob to find refuge. He's fleeing Saul. And David didn't bring his own bread, but he ate the showbread that God had ordained for the priest. He ate food that the priest had saved for themselves. I'd like to tell you that the bread in the house of God was always hot. Even though it was replaced every seven days, it was warm as the new bread replacing it. It was called hot bread. Anytime you come to the house of God, and hear the word of God. It's not cold. It's not warm. It's hot. The word of the Lord. But not only didn't David bring his own bread, he also neglected to bring his own weapon. And looking at this passage again, it reads, The sword of Goliath, a Philistine. Behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. This is the same sword that David used to cut off the head of Goliath in the valley of Elah. He then took the head of the giant to the city to proclaim victory of the Lord to the people. Now it's interesting to note the significance of each of these items. Stay with me now. The sword. It's God's weapon for David which signified victory. Everybody say victory. The ephod. It's a garment of praise. A garment of worship and prayer that was to be worn by the priest as they ministered to God. It was worn while the priest was in the house of God. It was put on just before he went in because he had blood-killing clothes before he went in. But when he went in, he changed his garment and put on the ephod. It was for praise and worship. But for some reason, Ahimelech had taken the ephod off and laid it down. And when he took off his ephod, he covered up David's victory. In order for David to pick up the sword, he had to first pick up the ephod. He had to pick up his praise. Victory was hidden behind the ephod. Worship, when David picked up the ephod signifying praise to God, he uncovered the victory in his life. I want to declare something to you, and this is what I'm going to say about the first part of this message. It's kind of in a trilogy. I want to say something, that if you want to have victory in your life, you need to pick up your praise. Because praise always precedes the victory in your life. You need to pick up the praise. 
You might have pulled off your praise and thrown it down on some victory that God has given you. But if you'll pick that praise back up, that victory that you want is hiding behind your praise tonight. Somebody clap your hands and say, I believe that. So if you want victory, you just need to start praising God with everything that's in you. And the victory's hiding behind your praise. There's accumulating body of evidence that shows that we human beings enter the world pre-wired for music and praise. Newsweek had an article a few years ago called Music on the Mind. And researchers report that newborns are able to detect changes in pitch and tempo. For example, infants smile when the air is filled with perfect fourths and fifths chords. Like C and F or seven half steps like C and G. But babies hate the tritone in which two notes are separated by six half steps like C and F sharp. And this forms a sound so unresolved and unstable that in medieval times it was simply known as the devil. The devil. It's proven that people can remember the tunes of hundreds of songs yet cannot remember the lyrics. Music seems to lodge and resonate in our minds. In his book, The God Part of the Brain, the author says the basic premise is offered to explain this phenomena. After much research and experimentation on the human brain, the author says there is a part of the brain located near both prefrontal lobe and the temporal cortex that is specifically programmed for praise. And even though he's not a believer and a skeptic, he coined the phrase, his name is Alper, he coined the phrase to explain why infants like music and why people can remember tunes from years gone by. He simply says humans are wired for praise and worship. So if you're wired that way, don't get your wires crossed. It's time for the church in this last hour to have some praise like we have never had in our life. Not to get stupid with it, but to have some praise like we've never had in our life. Why don't you praise him right now where you are in this house? You're wired for that. You're wired for that. You're wired for that. It is time to get this in the right order. Some people want God to give them the victory so they can praise Him. But God is waiting for people to praise Him so He can give them the victory. Jehoshaphat sent singers to the battle and they said, Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever and God wrought the victory. Paul and Silas in Acts 16 sang praises at midnight in a jail. And the jail had an earthquake under it. And the jail cells were opened. And the prisoners' bands were loosed. Children of Israel praised at the walls of Jericho. And the walls came down. Before God will show us victory, we must put on the ephod of praise and worship. And if you've laid down your worship, you might just be covering up your victory. Put your praise on and you'll find that the whole time wrapped up and hiding behind the ephod of worship in the house of God is your victory. Now let me bring you up to date on the story, the second part of this tripart being here. The second part. Not one that is known by many in the faith. Nob was a priestly city in Benjamin. 
Benjamin was located on the north side of Jerusalem. It was their part of the country. And the priest dwelt there and ministered to their people throughout the surrounding country. Ahimelech was the priest in charge of the city of Nob and the priesthood there. And the ark supposedly dwelt there before it was moved to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel chapter 6. 86, say 86. 86 priests ministered there and in the surrounding areas. And the day that David went there in the chapter before, there was a person there that day that came to Nob also. His name was Doeg, D-O-E-G. He was an Edomite. He was a herdsman of Saul, and he took care of Saul's donkeys. That was his assignment. An Edomite who was a descendant of Jacob's brother Esau. Jacob's brother who sold his birthright for a bowl of stew because the spiritual didn't matter to him, only the physical of life. Esau later in Genesis chapter 36 married Canaanite women. Isaac and Rebekah despised this because they were not women of the Hebrew Jewish faith. And Esau became a leader of the Edomites. Edom meaning red and Esau was red so he became Edomites and a vowed enemy of God's people. And Doag... The Edomites sprang from this family. So Doag, seeing David with Ahimelech at Nob, goes and tells King Saul what happened at Nob that day. And David, he said, was fed priestly bread. That's a no-no. And given Goliath's sword. That's a real no-no because that's what made Saul angry in the first place. So Saul is angry. He's, 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 he's beside himself. He comes to Nob to prosecute the priest. And he gives an order to slay all there that wore the linen ephod. He said, kill them. Kill everyone here. And in 1 Samuel 22, the king said to Doag, when the footman turned and walked away and said, we're not going to slay the anointed. We're not going to slay these priests. He turns to Doag and he says, fall on the priest. And Doag, the Edomite, turned and he fell on the priest and slew on that day four score and say five persons. Eighty-five not 86, that did wear the linen ephod. Eighty-five were killed that day at the hand of Doag. But not 86. Hell tried to kill the praise of Israel that day. Hell tried to kill what was happening in the kingdom that day. But one escaped, one fled, one lived. His name was Abiathar. He was a son of Ahimelech. And in 1 Samuel chapter 23, it said, And it came to pass, when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David in Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. Everybody say, an ephod in his hand. I want to declare something to you. I don't care how much the devil has tried to destroy the worship of God's church. He may have killed this one and that one and that one and that one, and churches have shut down and closed their doors. But God's always going to have a remnant. He's always going to have a people that's going to edify him. That even in the lion's den will say, bless the Lord. Even when they're put before the, 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 the people that try to destroy their life, they're going to bless the Lord. Even in the tough times of Fox's Books of Martyr, they're going to say, I will love the Lord. And even in the last day when churches are losing their hold on this praise, their church is still going to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be in my mouth. 
Yes, sir. As long as there is wind in my body, as long as there's breath in my body, I will carry the ephod of praise in my heart. I will preach praise in this pulpit because I know behind our praise is our victory. Behind our praise is Goliath's sword. Behind our praise is the thing that's going to bring us the victory in this world. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. Brad, if you'll help me, get me a couple of those things right now and bring them to me. I've got a little surprise for you tonight. Bring just a couple of them to me. Just kind of pitch them here. I'm good catching. Yeah, there you go. They used to call me hands in high school. Amen. I may be 68, but I can still handle this. So, now an ephod was blue. And it had chains. And it was slipped over the priest in the inner garment. But when Abiathar escaped Nob, the Bible said he came to David at Keilah. And he had the ephod in his hand. In his hand. Now, I want to declare something to you right now. Let me, let me just preach to you right now. Just declare something to you. The ephod's never meant to be in our hand. It wasn't meant to be waved. It was meant to be worn. It's either in your hand or it's in your heart. And if praise is in your hand, you can lay it down somewhere. But if it's in your heart... Hell's got to take you down before praise will ever go down. So I'm going to preach here a little bit tonight. I'm going to preach here a little bit tonight. I'm going to put on an ephod. I'm going to just let this be a representation of an ephod here tonight. It probably don't fit me. It's going to show all my... Hallelujah. Because this was not meant for me to hold and wave. It was meant for me to wear. Praise is not something I do. Praise is my occupation. I don't care what anybody tells you anyplace else. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Everybody say non-perishable non. praise. praise. Everybody say it's a way of life. It's a way of life. Now I got some of these. Anybody want an ephod here tonight? There you go, that's yours. Woo, I'm going to have fun here tonight. I'm wearing something. Every morning when I get up, I'm a praiser. Every night before I go to bed, my wife can tell you I'm a praiser. I think praising God is the greatest thing a man can do in his life and a woman can do in her life. There's nothing like praise to the Almighty God. And I love to brag on God. I love to talk about Him. And when I praise Him, I talk good about Him. 
I say, Lord, you're great and greatly to be praised, and I love you, and I thank you for your goodness and kindness to me. And he says, you know what, son, I'm going to bless you today. And I said, you don't have to do that, God. I'll bless you no matter what. I'll praise you no matter what because I love you with everything that's in my heart. And when I start praising him, when I start giving him praise, I realize I'm not waving this thing. I'm living this thing called praise. Two times David asked for the ephod again from Abathar. When the enemy was pursuing him, it's on the board in 1 Samuel 23 and 9. David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring hither the ephod to me. So Abiathar stayed with David after he came down and found him in Keilah. And the second time when his family was captured and when Ziglag was burned with fire in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David said to Abiathar the priest, to Himelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. I like the thithers and the hithers sometimes. And the third time that David talked about the ephod was when he brought home the glory in 2 Samuel chapter 6. He danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. Here's what I want to tell you. Praise works when the enemy's after you. Praise works when your family's discomfited. Praise works when all things are going wrong in your life. And you got to get a hold of something right now. you got to get a hold of this right now. David asked for the ephod in both those instances. But when he brought the glory of the Lord home, back to Jerusalem, he was girded. He was, he was wearing the linen ephod. He realized this is more than just this. This is this. And when you get a hold of a true, genuine praise offering to the Lord, and your life becomes nothing more, nothing less than a praise, a drink offering poured out to Him, you will realize that your victory will continually stay with you. You're not going to live in valleys and then hills, in valleys and hills. You're going to live on the plains. You're going to live on a straight line of living because God takes care of people that praise His name. I'm going to put my coat on. It makes it look better. <laughs> I love this story. Fritz Kressler was a master violinist. He desired a rare Stradivarius violin in his life, and he found it in the home of an Englishman who had the fortune to purchase it. And he offered him money. And the Englishman said, it's not for sale. Fritz then said, well, can I at least see it and hold it? He said, yes, and so he picked it up and tuned it and tucked it beneath his chin and masterfully drew the bow across the strings. And as the master played, tears fell on the Englishman's face. And Fritz thought he had upset him. He said, no, no, I'm not upset. But I told you it's not for sale and it isn't, but this Stradivarius is yours today because you are the master and you alone are worthy of this violin because the masterpiece always belongs to a master. And we are his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. And if we're his masterpiece, then he's the master. Anybody want to play a tune of praise to him right now? Come on. He's deserving that. It's time for us to understand that he alone is worthy of our worship and our praise. 
And then I'm going to bring this to a conclusion in about the next 35, 45 minutes. No. The third part of this message is simply this. David wrote many psalms. But one stands alone in its title. In the Hebrew, it specifically declares it's David's own praise. It's his praise. It's his praise. In Psalms 86, declares that David had his own prayer. But this Psalms 145, verse 1 through 4, declares this is the most intimate feeling of David. In fact, every Hebrew letter, all 22 of them, are in this psalm, are in this psalm, Psalms chapter 145. But David says, verse 1 through 4, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name. Watch this now, forever and ever. No shelf life. It's just going to be forever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. There it is again. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another, and they tell of your mighty acts. Those four verses, they say, are David's most intimate worship psalms that he ever wrote. Now, everybody say it's David's praise. It's probably his last written psalm. Therefore, it's his crowning jewel of praise. It is praise in the high key. It finds its roots in the very life of the author. David the shepherd, David the giant slayer, David the fugitive, David the warrior king, David the restored sinner. All the cameos of his life come together to form a fabric of this final praise. There's two kinds of praise, folks. There is general praise, and then there is personal praise. And many of us come to church on Sunday and on Wednesday night, and we have general praise here with general praise partners. But somewhere in your life, you're going to have to get your own personal praise. Come on, say amen. amen. Everyone and could, should, and uh, can and should praise God. One psalm put it this way, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. There is a dimension of praise that is very personal. And it's that praise that the product of, of personal experience, like the author who signs his name to a book, or a poet whose signature declares the poem to be his. There is a praise that bears the signature of its author. There's a praise that bears the autograph of the originator. David is simply saying here, this is my praise. These are my feelings. Someone else may praise him for things he's done in their life, but these are my words. This praise expresses my personal emotions. It, it expresses my feelings. David was saying, even if I have to sing a solo, I will sing my song by myself. Because praise ought to be that uniquely yours in your life. It is the expression of your particular feelings about God. It's the vocalization of your opinion of God. So what do you think about God tonight? Is He a great God? Is He a mighty God? Is He an awesome God? Might as well go ahead and shout it out. I love you, Lord, with all my heart. David said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised is He. The God that I'm serving today, folks, is a great God. He's a mighty God. These words were written by your pastor. Dave said he's worthy to be praised. This is not your neighbor's praise. It's not general praise. It's not your kid's praise. It's not your wife's praise, your husband's praise. This is your praise. You're the author of this. You sign your name to it. Put your John Hancock on it today. I love John Hancock's story. It's unique. He was very close to blindness, and he wrote his name so big that the British could read it even if they had problems with their sight. 
when he signed when he signed the Constitution. Do not let anyone take your place. Don't let anyone praise God for you. David said, "This is my praise." If God is some small gimme God on the backside of the world, then we should give him small praise tonight. But David said, "Great is the Lord." And greatly to be praised. We must give God the praise that is constant with His nature and His character. When you stand at the Grand Canyon and you see the mighty expanse, you're awestruck. And when you stand in the presence of the mighty God of the universe, nothing less than the best praise should be on your lips and in your heart. Someone needs to pull out the best tonight. Quit nickel and diamond God to death. Start praising Him tonight like you never have in your life. Let the domino effect take place in your life because behind your praise is your victory. You cannot praise by proxy. Secondhand praise will not work. David does not write this psalm to put somebody else on a guilt trip. It has to come to a point where you do not care what everyone else is doing. You're going to praise the Lord. David's not giving others reason to praise the Lord, but he's simply saying, I will extol thee. I will bless thee. I will praise thee. He knows ultimately he's responsible for himself and not for another's praise. Everybody say, I will praise him. With or without you. I'll get on my feet at my house. I'll stay on my feet on my job. I'll stay on my feet in school. And I will bless the Lord at all times. Praise is essentially a voluntary act of human will. You see, it was Lucifer's will to receive worship and not give it. And that caused him to be excluded from the presence of God. Lucifer willingly decided not to give God glory. He willingly decided not to give God praise. Each eye will of Lucifer took him further away from God. So therefore, it's our voluntary willful desire that shows the enemy we love the great God of glory. So I choose. Everybody say, I choose. To praise the Lord. Hear me, Lucifer. I will bless the Lord at all times. Hear me, Lucifer. I will praise him with a loud voice, with a high sounding cymbals. I'll give him praise on stringed instruments and organs. I will sing to him songs in the night, songs in the day. I willfully, with my own emotion in check, give him my praise. Do it. See, when you praise Him, you go deeper than you could ever imagine. You get into praise and you'll get into Him deeper than you could ever have been. Trials will come. Sickness will weaken your stamina. Discouragement will attempt to drown your determination. Failure will undermine your firmness in God. Reversal will attack your resolutions and sorrow will sap your strength. Like Job, you'll have to say many times, though He slay me, I'm going to trust Him. You must put your will into this thing. Come hell or high water, I will worship and praise the Lord. Like the psalmist, he said, for mine enemies speak against me. And they lay wait for my soul. Take counsel together, but I will hope continually. And yet praise thee more and more and more and more. Non-perishable praise has to be a part of this church. We can't let our praise get away from us. And yes, I'm teaching this and not trying not to make it emotional in your world, but you're going to have to become praisers in your life. Not less and less, but praising more and more. The devil will assail your soul. And when you're like David, you'll say, I will extol thee. I will bless his name forever and ever. David said every day when I get up, 
my flesh wants to tell me to back up and not go forward and sit down on God. The flesh tells you to be content with mediocrity, with lack of growth and lack of spiritual renewal. But he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. There was a lame man at a gate beautiful one time in Acts 3 that received his healing. And he went into the temple praising the Lord for himself. Kind of unique, don't you think? He is lame, being there healed by a preacher of Pentecost and a man who laid his head on Jesus' breast, Peter and John. And instead of trying to big name everybody, he gets in church and starts praising the Lord. I like those kind of healings and miracles. Let me tell you something. Every one of you tonight that know Jesus is a miracle. You're a miracle. And this church should never be quiet in our praise. It should never be hushed tones in our praise. There should be a, a happiness and a joy that comes out of our mouth every time we get a chance to walk in here. Now, when you walk in that door, you have that. Don't let hell take your praise from you in here. Come on. But, Pastor, I don't know God. I've never been baptized. You have breath? Come on, praise Him. You have breath? Let's praise Him. You have breath? Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. I'm almost finished. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Praise is calmly for the upright. It's okay to praise the Lord. Paul got in a storm one day in the book of Acts called Eurachlodon, and it looked like he was a goner. But an angel stood with him in the night and said, you're going to survive. You're going to see another day. The storm will not take you under. May I say something I've said in this pulpit many times. The devil can never curse what God has blessed. There's a man here tonight taking chemotherapy, suffering with cancer in his body. But he's in the house of the Lord tonight, and his hands are in the air. There's people in this church tonight that were in court today fighting for their children, fighting for their cause because they want their kids to be raised in the church, and they're blessing the Lord here tonight. I'm here to declare it to you. I don't care how tough it gets. I don't care how tough it gets. Don't let hell ever get your praise. Wear this. Wear this. Don't wave this. Wear this. You'll throw it down if you wave it, but if you wear it, this is who I am. It's what I'm a part of, and I will bless the Lord at all times. The Bible said they cast four anchors and waited for the dawn. You know what those four anchors were? The name of the Lord was the first anchor. The blood of Jesus was the second one. The Word of God was the third one. And the fourth was awesome, for it brings all things together. It's called praise. <laughs> and it goes something like this. According to your Word, by the power of the blood of Jesus that He shed forth, I will praise the Lord. That's what you got to do every day of your life. Hell has got to let, hell has to let the night go. The day has got to come. Psalms 30 and 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Weep in May, not will, just May. God's got a right to break in upon your night anytime He gets good and ready. Bring it out here, Brad. Bring it out here, son. Bring it out here. Reed, come in here and help me, son. Help me. Now, Reed does not have a strong arm. Brad is an old ex-baseball player. I want to put him right here. I got some ephods to throw out tonight. You know what? I thought, now stay, sit down, sit down. You don't have to stand up for these. Sit down. Now listen to me, listen to me. I'm going to wipe the sweat off of this. This is a good one, it's anointed. Now listen to me. The Spurs do it with the coyote, and people go crazy to catch 
some little old towel that says S-P-U-R-S on it. But tonight I'm going to throw into this audience some beautiful things that represent the ephod of God. Amen. The praise of the Lord. So I'm just going to throw one right over here. It won't hurt you. If it hits you in the head, it won't hurt you. We'll throw one over here. Amen. Give me some more, Brad. All right. I'm going to put one way back yonder. I'm going to put one way back yonder. And I'm going to throw some over here. I just think this is fun. I think church ought to be a blast. Amen. You know what you need to do? You need to go home and put this in your closet, in your war room, and put it on every day. And say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will say of the Lord. I don't want to throw my arm out of place. So I'm going to throw something up there. There we go. There we go. There we go. I got some more. Throw them out, boys. Throw them out. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I know people think this is crazy. They think it's crazy, but we're having fun on a Wednesday night here at church. Terry, I want to throw you one, buddy. We're having fun tonight at church. Come on. We're having fun tonight at church. This is what we do. This is what we do. We praise Him. Come on, we praise Him. We praise Him. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord at all times. We bless the Lord at all times. We bless the Lord at all times. All right. All right. The pastor lost his mind tonight. No, I hadn't. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I got one more here. I got one more here. more fun. Who wants this old sweaty one? There you are here. All right. All right. Now, I didn't do that just for fun, but we did have fun. I did that to remind you that when you wear that and you stay in a perpetual praise in your life, your enemies can't overtake you. But when you lay it down, when you put it down, many times you cover up the victory that God has for you. So I declare in the name of the Lord, don't just wave this and throw it down after church. Don't just say, I'm going to bless the Lord in church and I'm going to throw it down after church. No, 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 no. You wear it. You wear it in the morning. You wear it to your job. You wear it to school. You wear it. Not literally. I'm talking figuratively. But you wear praise. You wear the ephod. You wear it because it's important. It's important. I learned the power of praise when I went through the valley of Acor, the day of trouble in my life. I learned the power of praise. I learned the power of praise. Praise. And Patty healed me. But I had to praise my way out of that problem. And I promise you, I don't care what your problem is. Praise is the domino effect. It starts everything in your life. It starts everything in your life.
it starts everything in your life. Would you stand? We're going to sing a, a song here tonight, it looks like. 